worship today. If you are joining us online, please take a moment and leave a comment. If you are in person, I ask that you sign in with the pew pad at the end of the pew and place it in the offering plate later in the service. As you came in today, I hope you grabbed one of the weekly calendar sheets from the church. On there, you will find all things First United Methodist, including pickleball. Pickleball meets in our gym on Mondays from 2 to 4. I hope that you can come and participate. Also, this is meeting week, so take note of any committees that you are on, when and where they may meet. Let us prepare ourselves for worship. Holy God, you are our shield. You are our glory. You are the one who restores us. Be among us today, renew us in your love, and we will be blessed. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
evening as we affirm our faith together, the words to the Apostles' Creed are in your bulletin or on the screen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. prepare to receive our morning offering. Heavenly Father, you are the giver of good gifts, including the gift of eternal life. Out of the good and perfect gifts we receive, we give back to you, praying that you would bless the offering we receive today, whether that be online, reoccurring gifts, Venmo, or in this plate. We ask God that you multiply these gifts, guide us in their use, so that many might know the way which leads to life. Amen. If the ushers will come forward, we will worship God with our morning offering.
be seated. Kathleen, thank you. Uh, and thanks to everyone who helped with the lighting of the candles today. How many United Methodists does it take to get a candle lit in the sanctuary? I know there's a sermon in there somewhere. I just don't know what it is, but it's coming. And um, praises today. We, you may have noticed a rosebud on the altar. That is in celebration of the birth of Jane Catherine Sohor proud parents, Sally and Roman, and very proud grandparents, Lynn and Janet Page. Congratulations, Lynn and Janet. And also, as we go to our time of prayer, we continue to remember the family of Rodney Thompson. Rodney's service was here at the church on Thursday. Please continue to lift up Becky and family. Let us pray. God, as we bow before you this day, we remember your word, which tells us what is impossible with mortals is possible with God. And we bow before you this day, looking toward your possibilities, the possibility of forgiveness and grace and healing and hope of eternal life and restored relationships of comfort and care. God, we're thankful for the possibilities you bring into our lives and the life of this church, our community, our nation, and our world. And we just continue to, to look to you for an outpouring of your grace among us. Bless us on our journey of discipleship. Help us grow closer to you and follow in your footsteps more faithfully every day. This we pray in the name of the one who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church with Miss Catherine. Our hymn of preparation this morning is number 128. He leaves me a blessed thought as we stand and sing.
installed in 1936 and is one of the two large windows which are central to the beauty of this sanctuary. The window was given in memory of Charles Seedberry Ward. 
Charles Ward was known as a steadfast and generous contributor to his church in various causes, especially missions across the North Alabama Conference of the United Methodist Church. He was a successful businessman with interest in banking, real estate, and hardware. He was also a leader with civic projects, especially with the church and community improvement. He married Maud Line, who donated the window in her husband's memory. The wards had no children, but inspired and invested in the children of this congregation. Maud taught children Sunday school for many years. She loved her children and took special care in decorating classrooms for the children of the church. After her husband's death, she married P.R. Pegram and continued to faithfully serve. In addition to her service here at the church, she was the president of the city's first beautification club and the first president of the women's club. This window portrays Jesus having a conversation with a man. The man is dressed in fine clothes, especially when compared to Jesus. The color is red, which would be a symbol or a sign of his wealth. And now to the scripture which inspired the window. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter, verses 17 through 27. Mark 10, 17 through 27. Hear the good news. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I've kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give money to the poor, and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as we look to the scripture today, I pray that the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Three of the four gospels tell the story of the rich young ruler. Luke is the only one which specifically identifies him as a rich young ruler. Scholars believe that he was a leader in the temple rather than a leader in Rome. And this is because the questions that Jesus asked him related to the Ten Commandments. So the man finds Jesus and asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life, good teacher? And Jesus replies, why do you call me good? And then he goes on to say, you know the rules. And Jesus begins to list the Ten Commandments. He lists five through nine. He lists those commandments of living in community. Honor your parents, do not lie, uh, do not commit adultery, do not steal and so forth. But there's one commandment he admits. So, the rich young ruler says, I've kept those commandments since my youth. I've done what's needed. And Jesus comes back and says, one more thing is required of you. Sell all you own and come and follow me. 
The rich young ruler is sad because he knows he has not kept the Ten Commandments to covet. He loves his possessions. He doesn't want to sell them and go and follow Jesus. So he leaves. I love to think about this in terms of the Ten Commandments and the nuanced interpretation of, of this being about keeping the commandments rather than wealth alone. You see, when Jesus points out that he has not kept the command of coveting, the young man realize, realizes that he has failed at the law. He has kept some of the law, but he has not kept one part of the law. He has coveted. Therefore, he, he leaves with great sadness. Jesus has destroyed his ability to be righteous by itself. He can't earn his way. He can't make his way. His efforts are not going to be good enough. Jesus then begins a conversation with those around him and the disciples. And he tells them that it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a wealthy person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples come back with a question, well then, who can be saved? Growing up, I always thought that this story was about money, about the virtue of, of poverty. And yes, I agree, it, it's good works and a wonderful act of piety to give away what you own and help the poor. But Jesus is talking about something more here. This is not just poverty equals good and money equals evil. This is really about our own ability to earn our way to heaven, or rather lack of ability to earn our way to heaven. Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a wealthy person to enter the kingdom. Now, you have to understand that's hyperbole at its best. After all, what does a needle and camel even have to do with one another? A, ch a child would be able to see that there is no way that a camel could go through the eye of, of a needle. In fact, it would be a miracle if such a thing would have, have happened. Well, there you have the answer. It's a miracle. Our inclusion in the kingdom of heaven is a miracle. It's not how well we keep the law or how good we do, but it is a gift from God, a miracle from God. This is something that is beyond human achievement, only possible through God's grace and action. Then who can be saved? Well, you can be saved through the power of God in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8.9 reads, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can, be, can boast. This is available to all, not based on who you are or where you're from, if you're a rich young ruler or in another category completely. It is a miracle and gift from God. Romans 10, 11, 12 tells us, scripture says no one who has faith will be disappointed no matter if that person is a Jew or Gentile, there is only one Lord, and he is generous to everyone who asks for help. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you see, you don't have to keep the rules perfectly. It's not an exclusive group. Come as you are, and Jesus will meet you there. Just trust him and not your own ability for righteousness. I believe in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I've experienced that in my own life and I've claimed it in my own life. I remember well when I was a young teenager and I came forward that small United Methodist Church and put my trust in Jesus and I was baptized there for I was baptized as an infant. And in front of that congregation, I answered a question that many of you have answered before. One that said, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and put your whole trust in his grace? Do I believe that answering that question in front of that group of people saved me that day? Absolutely not. 
It's Jesus who saved me, not ability to answer a question in front of a group of people. Did I understand the question I was answering that day fully? Absolutely not. In fact, I'm still learning what it means to trust God fully. It's a daily journey. And it's a journey for all of us. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has done for us. And we trust him and look to him. That, so, if you were to ask me, what's the recipe for trust? How do we get that kind of trust in our lives? Well, I could make you a list of how to trust. But the problem is that if I made you a list of how to trust, it would be a man-made list or a sherry-made list. And therefore, it would be by what we do and not what Jesus has done for us. You see, this is quite perplexing. So I think the best example of what I've seen of how to trust, I've learned from our friends who are in recovery. I think they've got a good recipe for trust. You see, when you're in recovery, the first step is to acknowledge that your life has become so chaotic and such a mess that you can't. And the second step is to acknowledge that there is a higher power greater than yourself and know that that higher power can. And that's where it begins. We trust God. We realize that our life is, is out of our control and we can't fix it. We can't earn it, we can't do it. We have to look to the higher power and our higher power is Jesus Christ. This is an important lesson for all of us because really, there is a rich young ruler in all of us. You can find your image in that window we may not have bold questions like the rich young ruler, but there is something we fail to do, like keeping a particular rule or thinking we can make it on our own or trying to get where we need to go by ourselves. There is something that keeps us in bondage. Many of you can identify with the rich young ruler because stuff gets in your way. You covet. The things of life get in your way. The scripture for today is not the only place that Jesus talks about money. In fact, in Luke 12, 33, during Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, he says, go sell all your possessions and give alms to store up your treasures in heaven rather than a place where it may be destroyed by elements or taken by a thief. In Luke 14, 33, Jesus talks about the cost of discipleship and sharing that you can't become a disciple of Jesus if you don't give up your possessions. Maybe Jesus is serious about this money business after all. Or maybe he's just that serious about the salvation business. Maybe Jesus knew that this would be an area that people would struggle with for generations. But also there are other laws, ones that were mentioned in the scripture today. Your problem could be integrity or relationships or respect. Pride could keep you from loving God completely. Distraction or addiction could keep you from loving the Lord. I could go on and on. The list is great and winding. There is so much which we put our trust in these days, which we would rather follow than following Jesus. For example, take a look at the money in your pocket. And in the, on the bills you will find these words, in God we trust. But do we really? Do we really trust God? Thus, back to the point, we're not going to earn our way. We're not going to earn our way from the bondage of sin. But enough about that, because that is not the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is that what is impossible with mortals is possible with God. And that is the good news for all of us today. In researching this sermon, I came across the perfect sermon illustration. It was about Jesus when he says, uh, talks about the camel and the eye of the needle. Apparently there was a commentary that says that the eye of the needle was a gate in Jerusalem, which remained open when the other gates in Jerusalem were closed at night. 
So to get through this gate, a camel would have to take off the pack that it was carrying, or the master would have to take off the pack that the camel was carrying, and the camel would have to bend low to get through the eye of the needle, the needle gate. Well, that was just too good of an illustration to let go of your pack and humble yourself and go through the eye of the needle perfect. So I started doing more research and I found out that there is no archeological evidence that there was ever a gate in Jerusalem called the eye of the needle. It was likely a made up illustration. And as I thought about it, I thought, hmm, that's not a good illustration after all. Because if we are the ones that take off our possessions, and humble ourselves, it's about us. It's not about Jesus. And if you think about it, if we're trying to get humble and we realize we've achieved humility, isn't that pride? And we're back to where we started? See, I told you this is quite complicated. I guess it means we all realize we need Jesus. What we can't, Jesus can. This is not about what we can do, but realizing and trusting what Jesus has done for us. I find it very interesting that the window of the rich young ruler was given in memory of someone who was obviously rich. I mean, you read the biography, you heard me, or you heard me read the biography, it said he was successful in banking, in real estate, and hardware. That means he was wealthy. And let's face it, 1936, not long after the Depression, his wife had to be quite wealthy to give such a window in his memory. So I wonder, did she pick the scripture? Did someone pick it for her? Why this image in the window? As I've wrestled with this question this week, I've come to hope or believe that they knew the answer to the question, that the wards knew how does one achieve eternal life. They knew the answer that Jesus gave. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And my prayer for you is that you know that answer as well. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Help us trust you more. Lead us in the way that leads to life, not by our own merit or doing, but realizing that through your grace and love, we can grow in you, become closer to you, and truly know that way of life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Trust and obey is our closing hymn as we stand together to sing him for 467.
If you have a prayer need in your life, or if you would unite with First United Methodist Church, either by profession of faith, baptism, or transfer of membership, I'll be available after the service to pray with you and speak with you. Also, I want to let you know you will not want to miss next week in worship because we start March Madness. We have a bracket of our own here at First United Methodist Church <laughs> where the top, instead of the top teams, the top Christian songs will be going head-to-head -to, -head to find out what is the best. You must be present to vote and participate. And also next week, we will continue our series on the window, with the next window being the Sermon on the Mount, which is the window on the chestnut side, chestnut side of the acolyte room, back off of the narthex. And now receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace. Amen.